Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 52 of TLDR Podcast. Five two. That is an entire year of doing this, uh, and you know it, it's it's been so much fun, and we we've really enjoyed it. Uh, and we're you're in for another great week. Uh, we got we got a Tyler talking his his MLB Odams. Um, continues to c- continues to impress me how much you know the 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 sport continues to give us some surprising stuff and i and we're, i'm excited to talk about it <laughs> um alex is going to take us into the nba playoffs it is round three uh there were only one game in i believe and or, and i think the other one is if it's not going on right now it should be uh, and then uh eric is going to take my place eric welcome back first of all um and we'll get we'll, we'll introduce everybody in a sec but uh he'll be taking over as the nhl guy James is just going to be everywhere, dude. He's going to be the glue guy. He's going to be our glue guy today. Um, and uh, But we're, let's go to the boys, introduce everybody. James, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Um, I just learned there's 52 weeks in a year. I think <laughs> I should have known that. I think I should have known that, but I just didn't know that. It's just one of those things that, you know, private school. That's what I went through. Um, we learned about religion instead of the amount of weeks in a year. Yeah. So there we go. So I learned something new today. Stuff. Well, well, you know, I, I think that everybody should strive to learn something in every single day. And so I'm glad that I could have brought that for you. Uh, Thanks, buddy. Appreciate Eric, that. dude, I miss you so much. So <laughs> glad that you're like, you hopefully you'll be here. Well, actually, hopefully you're not going to be here um, often because that means the Clippers are doing very, very well. But you're here because the Clippers are in Phoenix. How are you doing? How are you feeling about everything work wise, life wise, everything? Uh. Thank you. And then um, <laughs> second, uh, I'm good. I'm, my head's all over the place. Um, yeah, it's, it's fun and uh, hopefully it keeps rolling. It's, uh, it's getting down to the wire, so just got to keep rolling. And then uh, James, you were taught beliefs over numbers. I was going to interrupt, but I just would rather wait until it was my turn to talk. That, is that what you're saying? You were taught beliefs over numbers in private school? Uh, yeah, dude. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, that's, probably, that that's probably a good thing, you know, because numbers <laughs> suck, as we know, and we always talk about it. So, yeah. But yeah, other than that, I'm good trading and uh, good to be back, boys. Love it. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to get to your segment. That's obviously my personal favorite, obviously. <laughs> Alex. Basketball's heating up. We're in the final two rounds. Uh, we got a bit of a shocker. I don't want to. I know you want to get into it, but we we had a bit of an upset, in my opinion. Everyone's kind of talking about it. The Hawks made it on, made it, you know, made it to the the third round. Um, how are you feeling about these basketball playoffs? Are they meeting your expectations or what? I mean, we got two game sevens in the Eastern Conference second round, so that's pretty fun. Um, the two teams I picked to make the finals are still in it. So I feel like I'm doing pretty well on that. Um, but yeah, it's been a, it's, it's tough because, um, the NHL and NBA really need to schedule their games at different times. Um, so I can, don't have to keep flipping back and forth, but, uh, yeah, the NBA, NBA playoffs have been phenomenal. Um, and yeah, we're, we're getting down to it. Love it. Um, and Tyler, the MLB is, you know, in the heat of it. The Giants are still first in the uh, NL. So uh, I, I'm just going to throw that. I'm going to be looking every single week, and I'm going to bring this up, okay? Like, we're going to make sure that I, I drill this into your head. Okay. Uh, how are you <laughs> feeling about 
just you know how are you feeling about the state of the state of the game are we seeing more offense now now everything's kind of smartening up or what well very very small sample size but since mlb has cracked down and pitchers have uh, kind of stopped using sticky stuff we have seen a decrease in strikeouts and an increase in batting average across the league again that's a weak worse sample size very small sample size but you can look at that maybe it's coincidence maybe it's not other than that, I mean, the division races are kind of narrowing down. Or kind of think we're kind of seeing who the real contenders are. Uh, there's a lot of really good division battles going on. The National League West is probably the best one with three teams out there. Uh, the Dodgers are going to be playing both. The, they're playing the Padres now. They're going to be playing the Giants next week. So uh, a couple of really exciting series coming up all, all around the league. So we're, we're, we're getting into the, the dog days of summer. So, but it's going to be fun. I love, yeah, um, I, I'm very excited for the next week's series. You and I are going to be in the same section watching the Giants and the Dodgers play, and I'm oh, yeah. going to be in annoying pissant the entire yeah. nine innings. I'm Hopefully it goes yeah. longer because the longer the game is, the more <laughs> I can be a pissant. Um, before wait. we go to break and, uh, and you know, get to the nitty-gritty, I want to congratulate John Rahm. Uh, he won the U.S. Open this past weekend here in San Diego, Torrey Pines. Um, and it was kind of a crazy, crazy Sunday. Um, Eric, just really quick, you had mentioned there was seven different lead changes. No, that was just me exaggerating. It was probably like four or five different lead changes. It, that's still quite a lot in, in, on a Sunday. Um, I, yeah. I don't even think John Rahm was leading to start the day. Am I right on that? No, he, uh, he took the lead on the 18th hole by making a birdie putt. So that was, I guess that was, you could say that's exciting, but, um, I feel, you know, my guy DeChambeau, let me bring him up again. Yeah. Every time I'm here, I got to bring him up. He literally could have rewrote his destiny and he had the lead with like seven holes to go and he completely trashed it, did horrible. And that 13 hole. was trashing it in front of him. So like he could have won the tournament. Kepka could have gone down and he would have just said, all right, Kepka, no more of this nonsense. I just won. And then now he has more of a reason to be laughed at. I feel like for doing that. Yeah, to be fair, I mean, it happens a plus six on your, on your Sunday round. That's, that's tough. I mean, that, that's really tough. Um, I mean, he went from minus three to plus three. That's, that's, that's rough. Um, but Kepka did beat him. I, you know, I actually dug into the, 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 the issues between them and I kind of agree. I actually really agree with you guys. Kepka is now a, even a bigger asshole than I thought. I didn't even saw what kind of went down. So I'm going to agree with you guys. Kepka will get his ass kicked. <laughs> um, fuck that guy. <laughs> it was his first Father's Day and he won the U.S. Open. That's kind of cool. Um, I, I find that pretty cool. So um, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to get into the MLB O'Dan. And welcome back. Oh, damn. We got more oh, dams from Tyler in the MLB. Tyler, what do you got this week? Oh, damn. Uh, you guys remember a few weeks ago, several weeks ago, you know, I had an oh, damn moment that Madison Bumgarner of the Arizona Diamondbacks, he threw no hitter, but it was only seven innings and we're debating whether or not that should actually count. Yeah. That was the last time the Diamondbacks have won a road game this, uh, so far. <laughs> They have set a new MLB record by losing 23 straight games on the road. And they're also currently in the midst of a 17-game losing streak overall. 
they're having a historically bad season so far. They just got swept by the, the Dodgers this weekend to bring that losing streak all the way to 17. Um, it's pretty pitiful out there, other than, you know, we, we talked about them last week and their cool uh, Serpientes jerseys, which debuted in the weekend, and they did end up wearing white pants. So that was the big question. They, they went the white bats, pants, so um, I still going to give them the, the, the same ranking on that. But, uh, Eric, let, let's, let's, let's talk about the, the, the Dimebacks here. Um, the MLB record for most losses for a team in a season is 120, set by the Mets back in the 60s. Um, is this going to be one of the most historically bad seasons a team has ever had, or do you think the Dimebacks have any shot of at least making this somewhat of a, south, a, a less embarrassing of a season? Um, I think they have a shot of making it a less embarrassing season. Um, what, whatever you just said, I feel like I have another fact on that. Basically that in the MLB, the worst season ever by a team was Alex's Cleveland Spiders. Um, <laughs> they were 20 and 134 was their record. So currently the Dimebacks are 20 and 53. So all they have to do is win one more game and they won't be the worst <laughs> team ever in baseball history. But they have lost 40 of their last 45 games, which is – that is fucking insane. It's just like a straight downfall and a letdown. And then they got swept by the Angels too, which is, you know, you got to say that's not a good thing for them. Um, good thing for the Angels, but terrible for the Diamondbacks. But – uh yeah, I think that they can make it less embarrassing. Like, let's see. What are they? Fucking 73 games in. Are we, like, almost to the halfway point? Or are we past yeah, that? I don't even know. We're, not a big we're coming up on halfway here. Another okay. So, yeah, I mean, they're basically fucked. And, but <laughs> it, it could be not so embarrassing. They could finish off strong. And um, But I have a question for you guys, actually. Like, what's worse, throwing in the towel now or having a great season and then just getting buried early off in the playoffs? I'm not going to make playoffs, man. Yeah, well, I think for me, the answer to that question is uh, I think it's worse to have your hopes get up and then just, like, lose in the first round. I'd rather just it just be an absolute shit of a season. You're just like, whatever, it's shitty and move on. Hank for Tua. Yeah, like, like- – like seventies, except they didn't do that. <laughs> they didn't. They really didn't do that, man. They won like eight games towards the yeah. end, and they still got two. So I'm just that. saying that, that's the mantra. That's um, the hashtag. Just tank. For I, mean, him. I don't even know who the first guy is. I don't know if that's a thing, but just tank for him. I mean, it's like cool. the 76ers, Alex. Like they were the one seed. They play. They had such a great season, and then you know we saw what happened yesterday. Like that's. I'm saying like, would you rather have that or just be like? be like the Houston Rockets this year. Just like we're bad Uh-oh. and nothing is no. changing. I'd rather be good. You don't want <laughs> like, why, why would you want your team to be still on a 17 game losing streak? Like that's just embarrassing. I'd rather be good and you get, and I, what preferably what would happen is you're good. You make the playoffs, another team beats you. And then that team wins the championship because then at least you feel like, well, we lost the champs. It was you know, yeah. bound to happen. I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't, like, what did the Rockets lose, 22 in a row or something like that? Yeah. Why, no, I wouldn't want that. Because at least, like, the Sixers, you know, they have something to build on. 
the Diamondbacks, they were almost a playoff team two years ago, and now all of a sudden they're garbage, and now they've got like a five-year rebuild coming. So Ben Simmons I, is someone be to build on? I'm saying <laughs> they have on him something to build on. No, I would not say I know, Ben I know Simmons. What you mean. I'm just fucking around. All right, for some reason, we're talking about basketball and it's the baseball segment, so uh, I'm going to move on to my next, <laughs> my next oh damn moment. Uh, Shohei Otani became the first uh, player to commit to this year's home run derby, which, by the way, we have a home run derby again this year, which I'm super pumped for. Love watching the home run derby. Uh, he became the first Japanese player to participate in the home run derby and also the first pitcher to be in the home run derby. So Otani's breaking records all over the place. He also had himself one hell of a week last week. He home he hit a home run in every single game he played in, including a multi-home run game, except for one game he did not homer in. He pitched in, and he pitched six innings, only gave him one run and got the win. So Otani is playing out of his mind right now. He's easily the most one, one, one of the most exciting players in baseball, my current pick for AL MVP. Um, so he's committed to the home run derby. I'm super excited to watch him play. James, who else do you want to see in the derby this year? Before I answer that question, I just want to say props to Eric for saying Shohei for MVP about 51 weeks ago. It's probably <laughs> our second episode that he said that. Yeah, but yeah good job, Eric. <laughs> yeah, um, and this season too, not that yeah. season that we were talking about at the time. Predicting it. I, I get it. I get it. That's cool. Uh, people I want in the home run derby. Is there a limit to how many people I can have on there? Eight total. Wow, I have way more than eight. So we're just going to go through them. <laughs> uh, first of all, Vladdy Jr., he said he's not going to do it. It's a disgrace that he's not, man. He's, he did really well two years ago, even though he lost. He was hitting homers like crazy. And this year he wants to take it off because he wants to have a mental break to get ready for the second half of the season, which is respectable because he wants his team to win. But as a fan, I'm like, go hit home runs. It's way more fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, third, I want Fernando Tatis on there mainly because he's another one very exciting player to watch. He's third right now with 22 home runs in the year. And then I kind of want to pay homage to like the previous winners. So like Pete Alonso, he only has like, I think eight or 10 homers this season. Not the best season, but he was a previous winner. So put him out there. Same with Bryce Harper and Aaron Judge. I think it'd be cool to have previous winners out there doing their thing. And then I want some of the old heads out there, like the surefire Hall of Famers, like Albert Pujols. Let me see what he can do at a home run derby. Probably he'd not hit that many home runs, but it'd be cool to see him try to swing a bat and maybe – hurt his back who knows then Miguel Cabrera <laughs> put on put there out there too well, he won't have to run to any bases so he might That's be true good. he might save some energy but after about five swings he's gonna be out of breath classic last but not least Man. the one I want to see the most I want to see a roided up Barry Bonds in the home run derby if he makes it if he wins a home run derby I say put him in the hall of fame he's yet to be in the hall of fame because he people are just not voting for him but put him on roids for like a week a month I don't know see what happens He's 56 years old. If he does well and wins, that's saying something. Wow, James, you got a lot of good ideas to bring extra viewers. If Barry Bonds came out of retirement to participate in the Home Run Derby. I think a lot of people would be interested in that for sure. Uh, those are all great picks. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to see all the, all the juniors in. I want to I see Acuna. I want to see Fernando. And I want to see Vladimir. You know, hopefully uh, Vlad Jr. changes his mind. Because as you mentioned, he put on a show, show t- two years ago. Uh, he's super fun to watch. And another guy that I personally love to see in the home run derby is uh, Jock Peterson. Uh, he's usually never at the top of the MLB uh, home run boards all the time, but he's just built for a home run derby and he's proven it both times that he's been in it. Um, so I would love to see Jock pop in, 
in the Derby, but either way, it's going to be really exciting to watch Shohei. I'm very excited to watch him in the home run Derby. Um, moving on my third. Oh, damn. The Yankees uh, turned a triple play uh, not only for the third time this season, which is tied in MLB record, but they did it to end the game, which I think is a really cool way. I mean, triple plays are already very rare, um, but then to do it, to win the game in a really close two to one ball game against the Oakland A's is pretty awesome. So I think that's a really cool moment. Um, but trading, I did, you know, first question that I didn't really pre pre prepare you for, do you think the Yankees will turn one more triple play this season and break the MLB record? And two, um, what's like the most exciting way to end a game? Is it a triple play walk off home run, anything else? Like what, like, what do you got on that? Um, to answer your first question, history would say no, but you know what? Sure. Why not? I mean, I, I, the the interesting thing was the one before the second one was the weird one. Right. Like, it, like, I don't even understand how it even happened because it was kind of like the Blue Jays running or base running issues that kind of caused all that. Like the, the two guys were on second and third. They didn't even need to advance. I don't even know how you'd have to like show the video because that one like is insane. Um, but, you know, it you know, it's really cool that the third one was done in the ninth inning at the uh, uh, at the bottom of the ninth inning like that. I, I like to think that they're going to do it again just to break the record because it's this is the most that they've had in their franchise history. They haven't even had two in the same season, you know, prior to this year. So um, I like to think that they're going to, you know, break the record. They might as well. I mean, just go for it. I mean, that's the only thing you focus on for the next like two weeks. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> uh, that said, the best way to end a game. I mean, I, I love triple. I've never seen a triple play in real life. So I, I think it would be, I, I always hope to see that. I mean, that and like a grand slam are always, those are kind of your base baselines. I think that those are the most exciting ones, especially because they kind of, they're rare and they just kind of shock everyone. But I think the biggest shocking one is what they dubbed the unassisted triple play. And this is what I saw on a couple of videos, trying to understand what the, what, what I think would be the best ending. So I just looked at videos, like what are the best endings in baseball? And I mean, there's some crazy ones, whether it be stupid base running, whether it be a guy who can't fucking throw or catch a ball or, um, you know, what have you, but the unassisted, um, the unassisted triple play has only happened in the ninth inning in th three games. And that the, they, it was in 1925, 1927, and most recently in August 23rd of 2009, Eric Bruntlett, won the game on an assisted triple play. So essentially he is the one that gets all three of them out, right? Like you guys know this, except maybe not James. I don't know if he seems confused, <laughs> um, but basically what happened was um, he caught the ball. He caught the ball. Um, so for the first out, he tagged the, the second play, uh, the second base because the guy has to tag back or has to tag back, um, take back up. And then he, and then he actually for physically tagged the guy that had, had to go tag back up at first. So he took all three of them out to win the game. It, it's actually pretty crazy because I didn't even understand how it was a triple play at first. I had to actually look it up. And then when you think about it, I mean, that when it only has happened three times in, in history at the ninth inning, I mean, only, I think I only see like 20 times in, in overall history. Um, that has to be at the top of the list because it's like, it's so rare. I mean, you talk about a triple play being rare, but a single guy doing it, that's, it's just like it has, it's right time, right place type of instance. And, you know, that's just exciting to see. Um, so I, I would say that, um, but of course, any explosive grand slam to in the, you know, walk off grand slam is going to, you know, take the cake too. Right. So 
Um, those are kind of my the best, I think. Yeah, I think that the walk-off home run, there's just nothing better than that to end the game. It's just, you know, the, all the celebrations that go on, the, the fans going crazy. Um, I think that's probably the most exciting. But I think a triple play would be right there. I never really thought about like that. Walk-off triple play. Yeah, like a walk-off triple play, exactly. Like, I'm like, that will be like a super cool thing to see in person. Um, I've never seen a triple play live ever in my life at any level. Um, I've only seen replays of them. So they're very rare. Um, the fact the Yankees already have three of them is pretty crazy. Um, so, that's, so that's pretty awesome. So we'll see if the Yankees end up uh, breaking the record. They just all, all, all they need to, need to do is one more. So we'll see. Hey, hold happens. up before you move on. So has this ever happened before to, to end a game? Like an immaculate inning to end a perfect game. Has that happened before? An immaculate inning and a perfect game off the time of yeah. that, I'm going to say no. Uh, I think that'd be pretty damn exciting. That would be pretty awesome, though. That's a pretty cool one. Yeah, because immaculatings are extremely rare to begin with. Um, I mean, I assume immaculate inning, which is rare, plus a perfect game, which is probably even more rare. Put them together. Together. I don't think that's ever happened. So that that'd be pretty. um, An immaculate inning. Just forget for me if I'm wrong. Is just nine pitches. It's yeah. So three strikeouts, nine nine strikes. Yeah. So. That would, that would be pretty insane. That would be insane. <laughs> um, moving on to my last oh damn moment here. Uh, we, the, the big topic around baseball is MLB's foreign substance crackdown. And today is the first day that they've officially started actually check pitchers and they're doing it. They're, they're, they're walking off and down the first thing and umpires are asking to see the glove, the hat, the belt, everything. They're checking everything. No one's been caught yet. Uh, DeGrom passed in case a lot of people thought DeGrom was using something. He passed and he's, he's still all the, by the way, he didn't give up a single run. His ERA is down to 0.5. Um, so he's still <laughs> an absolute inhuman being. Um, so yeah. So the umpires are actually doing this and we're going to see what's going to happen. Um, it seems like, as, as I mentioned, kind of in the intro that pitchers have, you know, pitchers who have been using, um, have kind of stopped using it because of this, uh, this crackdown. And we've seen a d- decrease in strikeouts and an increase in batting average across the league. Granted, a very small sample size. Um, but Alex, you know, just kind of your opinion on, on the whole thing. I, I know we talked about a little bit uh, last week. Um, do you think pitchers will comply? Like, do you think anyone's actually going to get caught doing it because they know that the umpires are really, really going to hone down on it now? I actually don't think anyone's going to get caught. Um, and my reasoning is not that like the umpires are honing down so much. It's that like there's been this stigma or gentleman's agreement or whatever you want to call it between MLB managers where especially recently, they don't say anything to the umpires about it because, you know, I've heard like it's a number like 70% of pitchers are using some sort of foreign substance. And if you're, you know, Dave Roberts, for instance, you don't want to be like, hey, you Darvish is like, you know, go check him out because then um, Jace Tingler is going to be like, um, hey, Trevor Bowers, like, go, go check him out. So I actually think they're all going to stop. Um, I, I mean, I would be surprised if more than like three guys get suspended because everyone was using it. It was just a out in the open secret kind of thing where just managers just agreed not to say anything because everyone was using it. And now, I mean, now if you get caught, you're just a moron. And like, I don't think anyone wants to be that first guy that was like, oh, I thought I could get away with it. And then, and especially now with all the technology 
you know, there's all the guys up in the, you know, the front office that are looking at every, every pitcher, you know, they're looking at spin rates from one inning to the next, from one start to the next. So I don't actually think anyone's going to get caught. Um, you know, I, I think offense will benefit from it. Also offense will benefit because it's getting warmer and baseball's fly further when it's warmer. Um, you know, we see that every year. So I don't think anyone go, will get caught um, at least right away, maybe somewhat in like a month or so, but I, I would imagine it's not going to be very many. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that people are going to, I think the pitchers kind of got the message there a little bit. Um, it kind of gave them a little bit of a weak heads up or so, but Speaking of that, also, I think one of the biggest uh, critiques of MLB's um, decision here to do it in the middle of the season has been highly uh, criticized um, because they didn't really give pitchers really zero time to kind of adjust in the rules or, or the league in general to kind of a, a adjust. And MLB just kind of threw this in the middle of the season. Do you, do you think that was a bad decision on MLB's part to do it in the middle of the season? Should, I mean, obviously, they should have done it way earlier, but. Um, should they have waited until the conclusion of the season and then started to crack down? Or do you think this was like so imperative that they got to the bottom of it now that they, that they had no choice, but, 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 to, but to do it now? My own personal opinion, I think they should have waited. Um, I've never heard of a sport like updating or changing a rule in the middle of the season. And I think that's kind of bullshit, but I think they got stuck in this corner where, especially at the beginning of the season, you know, there were six no hitters in, you know, four and a half minutes of the season and they needed to crack down on it. Um, so personally, I think it's kind of, I, you know, and players have obviously, I would say, agree with me. Like we've heard a lot of players speak out and say, um, what the fuck pretty much. Um, so I, I think they got stuck into doing it. I wish they had just waited till the end of the end of the season, but I just, they just couldn't wait any longer. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, it it's it's one of those things MLB just kind of they try to correct something way too late. They they seem to be way late on the ball. I think they're late on the science the sign stealing scandal. They're late on this. They were late on steroids way back in the day. Like they just wait until shit hits the fan to actually do something about it. That's kind of been MLB's historical, um, you know, fuck up in terms of you know monitoring their game and being able to monitor these, these situations. Um, so they just did it again. So history repeats itself just in a different way. So um, it is, is an unfortunate, um, you know, Tyler Glass now, um, he, he got hurt. He's got, you know, he's got, he has a torn UCL and he blamed it on the fact that MLB, you know, forced him to change um, his ear. He wasn't allowed to use any sticky stuff. So he had to grip the ball differently, causing him to change his mechanics and all that stuff. Um, he blamed MLB for that injury and he could be out for the rest of the season. So um you know, things like that are pretty real. And I think pitching for people who maybe aren't around as much, it is a very finicky type of athlete you're dealing with because it's a lot of just really small details that really don't matter in any other position in their sport, really. Like pitchers go on the IL and can miss months because of a blister. Like it's that kind of weird stuff that pitchers need to have really good feel of the ball. And their mechanics are so important to both their effective effectiveness on the mound and to prevent injury. So it's one of those things that to just throw that in the middle is like really tough. So I definitely support the players and them being up upset over this crackdown kind of in the middle of the season, but we'll see what comes of it. I, 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 I agree with you, Alex. I don't think anyone's really going to get caught. If it is, it's going to be probably one dumbass in like late August that just kind of forgot or something, but uh, we, we, we will see what happens. But uh, other than that, um, Drayden, that's all I got for baseball this week.
Crazy. Um, I mean, we've been talking about this topic. It's every week for the last four weeks and I'm not, it's not, not no, it's something that needs to be talked about. Um, those are interesting questions you bring up is whether it, you know, obviously it's reactionary, but what, but now that did they, did they move too quickly? Uh, I think is a big question. And, you know, it, I, I look at it at, in a different way. I look at it and say, Hmm, you know, the rule has been like this this whole time, but they haven't been enforcing it. So we're mad. They're not changing anything. They're just finally enforcing it. So MLB needs to pull their head out of their ass. But what's new? Um, some things never change, uh, just like baseball. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, thank you, Tyler. Um, I can't wait for next week. Um, hopefully we're going to see more home runs and better offense. But, you know, hopefully it doesn't, it doesn't go out of whack either. So uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk NBA. We are entering into, well, we have entered into the third round and Alex is going to tell us all about it. And welcome back. The NBA is entering the third round of the playoffs. Um, we have quite the matchups, uh, quite a surprise if you look at the uh if you look at the east um i think eric had was on the edge of his seat his asshole was tight towards the end there because it came down to the wire eric i know it did um alex what's going on in the nba yeah so we're we're into the final four um we have suns clippers in the west and then we've got bucks and the atlanta hawks in the east um we'll start in the west so I'm pretty sure when we did the podcast last week, the Suns were already through to the next round. Yep. Um, and then the Clippers had an up and down um, series against the Utah Jazz. Uh, they definitely pulled it out, especially after the Kawhi injury. Um, so good on them. I thought, you know, that seemed like one of those times where Clippers of old might have folded. Um, but this definitely looks like a different team now. Um, game one, has already happened. Uh, Phoenix did win game one without Chris Paul, who is in COVID protocols. Um, also without Kawhi Leonard, who uh, stayed back in Los Angeles due to a, a knee injury. So we've got two teams who are, are you know, the first time they've made in the Western Conference Finals in a really long time, and their two best players are both hurt, um, which kind of sucks. Um, but let's, so let's start with that. Um, the Phoenix Suns, um, came out without Chris Paul in Phoenix and looked really good. Uh, Devin Booker carrying them to a game one win. Um, what do you guys see in Phoenix? Um, and, you know, should the Clippers be worried with how good the Suns have been uh, so far in these playoffs? Yeah, well, the, the Clippers have gone down 0-2 in every series and found a way to come back and win. Uh, it kind of just seems like their MO. They just kind of get a feel for the, for the teams they're playing, kind of test the waters a little bit, and then seem to make the adjustments. So I, I think for me – if I was a Clippers fan, that's a really good sign. Like the fact that you're able to go down early and your coach, your coaching staff and your players are able to make the adjustment and able to quickly find a way to beat the team that you're trying to beat in a seven game series. I think that's a really good, I, I, to me, that's a sign of a championship uh, caliber team. On the other hand, the, the Phoenix Suns seem unbeatable right now. They just are playing on, they're playing, they're banging on all cylinders. Devin Booker's playing like an absolute stud. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I think the Suns are definitely the best team the Clippers have faced so far, but we will see what happens. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, go for it. It'll be, a, it'll be another battle of the series, it seems. 
Um, going off what Tyler said too, you know, they keep losing the first game and then the coaching, it's kind of like they're getting a feel for it. Um, it you know, it sucks to lose close games like that though. Uh, you want to try to win as many of those close games as you can. I think the biggest thing for the Clippers is, is somehow, some way trying to pull out uh, the second game there. They, you want to, you want to get at least one game on the road, especially if Chris Paul won't be playing again. You know, who knows when he can return, and you just want to try to take advantage of that. But on the other end with the Suns, they just are seem to be clicking on all cylinders. Um, and Booker, you know, Booker's doing what Booker does. Um, he's The bright lights are shining on him, and he's not afraid. He just seems like he's not even feeling any pressure at all. So I think, you know, the Suns are, are rolling, and they're, they are confident. So – I think the only thing that you can do is try to try to get them battle tested and see how they face it. Um, so the biggest downfall between the Suns and the Clippers is the fact that the Clippers can't defend the pick and roll. Uh, DeAndre Ayton is a big mismatch for this team because Zubak and Cousins can't do anything to defend him. D-Bucks running that pick and roll with DeAndre Ayton rolling and the guards in um, Reggie Jackson and R- Rondo they're going over or they're going under. And either way, D-Book's going to hurt you. He's either going to drive to the basket or he's going to step back and take a three. And with that, if you cover if you cover that well and you defend that pick and roll well, you still have DeAndre Aiden rolling to the basket for an easy dunk. It's impossible to defend them until they figure it out. So I don't know. What really helped the Clippers win in the last series was that they went small. And you can't do that against DeAndre Aiden. You can't go small against them. Gobert was a huge mismatch defense player of the year because they stepped back and took a bunch of threes. And you saw Terrence Mann absolutely just go off at those games because he was just sitting back. Gobert is trying to defend him. And he just dropped back and hit another three over and over and over again. DeAndre Ayton's a little bit faster than that. He's going to close out a little bit fit faster. So you can't do that anymore. You can't go small. So if you can't go small, what do you do next? And it's more so what are the bigs going to do to defend that pick and roll better than they already have? If they can figure that out, they have a chance. But as of right now, if they keep running that same play over and over again, D-Book's going to run a triple-double, and DeAndre Ant's going to shoot 80% from the field with a double-double. That's the hard part. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I look at I look at this team a little bit differently than even the last couple teams that the Clippers have, you know, came back from. The Clippers I, – I, I double-check, boys. This has only happened once in history, to come back twice from a 2-0 deficit. And to do it a third time, this, I mean, the stats were already against you. And you're doing it against, you'd be doing it against a Phoenix Suns team that is firing on all cylinders without the, you know, the, the guy who's automatic, Chris Paul, you know, I, I, I worry. I think that, I think that if the Clippers have, want to have a chance to, to win this series, they need to steal an away game because I I think that the, the home court advantage is going to, is going to play into the Phoenix Suns favor. And it's going to take the Clippers gaining, gaining um, home court advantage for them to have a a solid chance. I just don't see them with this team that's clicking this well without their, you know, without the player that really, I think, put them over the edge in that sweep. I, you know, I I fear that, that they won't be able to do it again. So that's, that's my view. Yeah. I think the Clippers, it's tough, obviously, to continually fight back and go down 0-2 every single series. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to do it against this Phoenix Suns team. Um, I didn't think they were going to do it against the Mavs, but they did. So what do I know? Um, but yeah, James, you nailed it. The Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, 
tandem is pretty much unguardable right now. I mean, Devin Booker is playing like a young Kobe. I mean, he can get a shot from anywhere on the floor. He's pretty much unguardable. Um, you know, the Serge Ibaka injury for the Clippers, you know, having him would be super helpful right now. Uh, but unfortunately, he's out for the season with a back injury. It will be, uh, yeah, I, and I, I do agree with you, Eric. Um, I think the Clippers game two is they need to win that game. Chris Paul will be out um, still under COVID protocols. Um, the Kawhi's out indefinitely right now. As, you know, we don't really know what the deal is with that. Um, they've got to, they need to win game two. Um, if not, they've got a long road ahead of them, but obviously they've proven they can do it. So maybe they will again. Um, moving on to the East. So two game sevens, like I mentioned in the intro, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks came back, beat the Brooklyn Nets. Um, you know, we kind of harped on them pretty hard last week, said they needed to win this series. Um, it looked kind of iffy for a little bit there. Kevin Durant was about an inch away from sending them home. Uh, with a game winning three pointer, his foot was on the line. Absolutely brutal for KD who just carried that Nets team. Um, you know, Kyrie never came back. James Harden, uh, we learned was playing with a grade two hammy strain this whole time. So, um, props to him, even though I'm not a James Harden guy, but, um, Milwaukee came through, uh, with a game seven overtime win. that overtime period was some of the worst basketball I've ever seen. I think they scored, scored a total between the like two teams, like, six points in five minutes it, it was just no one played defense everyone shot for it was terrible but anyway Milwaukee moved on and then as traded mentioned the number one seed Philadelphia 76ers fell to the five seed Atlanta Hawks also in game seven uh it all kind of went on Ben Simmons shoulders for sure uh he I saw some stat he shot the worst from the free throw line in any NBA playoff run ever like 32 percent or something just pretty brutal. So before we talk about the teams that won, let's start with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, you know, you really saw that without those other two stars, those role players were not, not up to, up to this, up to the stuff or whatever you want to call it to help KD along. So um, with the Nets moving forward, what are you, what are we thinking um, with them? Like, are they still a title contender next year or do they need to rework and rethink some things? I, I think they're definitely still a title contender. Uh, coming down to health once again. Um, I think the series showed that those role players, they're probably not going to be with the team again this year. You see it with like the Lakers and the super teams, you keep those three core guys, three or four core guys, and then everybody else is to shuffle through and you just keep recycling. So you find somebody who works with that system. So the role players that played in this this season, I don't think they'll be there. Um, as long as those three guys can stay healthy, they're always going to have a chance. Yeah, I agree with James. Um, good. All good. Uh, yeah, obviously having the those core three, you're going to be successful and you're going to be in the, in the running, and then you just got to build around it. So um, I think they kind of found out what what their weaknesses were with this, especially with those with two of their big three going down. Um, so they're going to address those in the offseason the best they can. But, yeah, I think they'll easily be, a, you know, top three in the East again next season. I've preached this team all season. But, you know, it seems like, they're. I mean, we saw they're not really a team. They're just a couple of talented dudes thrown together. Um, they had some adversity. They had some injuries, like James said. And 
you just saw it was it was Durant versus everybody else. Um, Harden maybe a little bit, but they they're going to cycle through the role players like James said, and they just weren't a team. And the teams the like the Lakers had a lot of role guys last year, but they all played as a team together and they won. So you know they didn't have that this year, and they'll be good next year. But it. I just don't see them playing like a team with Kyrie and Kevin Durant together. And uh, maybe that's just me hating on Durant, but, you know, that's going to be their biggest issue moving forward. Yeah. I mean, I, th- this, this makes me eat my words when it, when it comes to talking about this game and that it's not just up to the top three all the time. I mean, yeah, I mean, you do every time we compare the top three, but there's injuries there. There are things that there, there, you need to have some kind of contingency plan. You need to have the, players that can actually play very competent basketball when your top guys are down. I mean, and we're going to see it in this, in the Western conference series this right now. I mean, we're going to see that. So um, it, it comes down to those depth guys and, you know, maybe basketball is a lot closer to hockey than I gave it credit for. Yeah. I mean, they were never healthy all year. Um, you know, Kevin Durant was coming back from that Achilles injury and honestly what he did in the playoffs coming back from a major injury like that is nothing short of amazing. So big props to KD. Um, yeah. And they, I mean, they just never were healthy and that was just the end of it. If they'd all been healthy all season and could have gotten a better flow together, it might've, you know, might've ended differently. Um, moving to Philly. Um, I said in my very first power rankings, this is a make it or break it year for Philly. If they go far, you can trust the process. They didn't go far. It's time to untrust the process. Distrust <laughs> the process. Some something witty about not trusting the process. What's the process? Um, it's. I think if you are the Philadelphia 76ers GM, you look at your roster. You say Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Seth Curry are locks. Everyone else can go away. Trade them. Get what you can for them. Um, what do you guys think is the future for Philly? They're going to, they're probably going to be one of the teams most looked at during the off season. Um, but just your guys' thoughts on the Philadelphia 76ers. Which say, what did you say were untouchable? Which three? Joel Embiid, Seth Curry, and Tobias Harris. Okay. Um, I thought Seth, Seth Curry was a huge revelation this season. Uh, in years past, he was kind of just there. He was the other Curry brother who shot every once in a while. But this season, I think he really came into his own, especially in the playoffs. I mean, he was putting up almost 30 points a game multiple times and being very consistent from three. At times when Embiid was out, he was their only offensive option because Tobias Harris is hot and cold. Ben Simmons needs to go see a psychologist. Same like Markel Fultz years back, how his shot was broken. Ben Simmons' shot is just as broken. So they got to fix something. I mean, he came in the league being the guy who doesn't shoot threes. Then he came in the league. Then, like, next he's the guy who doesn't make free throws. And now he's the guy who doesn't shoot at all. And that – if you're going to play basketball, man, you can't be – and you're going to be a star, an all-star, you can't be the dude who doesn't shoot. Yeah, you're a really good defensive guy. You're you're not Bruce Bowen, though. Bruce Bowen was good on that Spurs team because he was good at defense. But he shot more than Ben Simmons did. And Ben Simmons was the number one overall pick. Um, Like, he's a damn good player. Shoot more. Go see a psychologist. Go talk to Markel Fultz. See what he did. Markel Fultz had a bounce back here this year. If you can do the same thing, good things will happen in Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, we've we've had this conversation, guys. I mean, James, you brought it. You just brought it up. You, I mean, defense wins, supposedly wins championships. But if you can't score, 
score. You're still not going to win. And I, I think we saw that with Ben Simmons. Um, I, I agree with you, Alex. There's a huge drop-off from the top three down. I mean, huge. It's not like it's it's close. And obviously, their big three are always going to go off. But there was a huge drop-off. And um, and I, I you need to retool. We, I, I think we have kind of a similar, not quite the same, but a similar situation with Brooklyn. Like, your bottom, your bottom, whatever, how many guys did not play well enough against a team that is playing with house money at this point, for Christ's sake. I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to give those, those, those teams the any life and they gave them too much life. Um, but I agree with you, James, Seth Curry really came into his own. And the last thing with, just with Simmons, it sucks. I do feel a little bad for him. I hope he gets, gets everything figured out, but yeah, a lot of the blame went to him. I saw like a tweet from like, 2017 and it was like in a interview a reporter asked Simmons what's your what's your take on this hack of Simmons you know like people people have found out you can't shoot the ball he said like let them keep doing it uh I'll show them I'll prove them wrong or something like that that's going to stop soon and you know now you look five years later it looks like it's gotten even worse for him so it's just something that hopefully he goes and fixes over time. Just a mental block. I mean, he, the athletes figure this out or they don't. And we may see him become one of those players that just drifts. Call me Brown. It's going to be call me Brown. I think, I think I don't even know who that is. So that, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I think when your head coach is asked by a reporter, whether or not, you know, you're a championship level player and he responds, I don't know. Never, never a good thing. And I think, I think he doesn't know because I don't think Ben Simmons knows. And so he needs to figure out that himself. And I, I mean, ho- hopefully this is setting up for an awesome comeback story. Um, yeah. At the moment. Yeah. He's not the guy. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the fourth quarter in that game seven, Ben Simmons had the ball made a move on the defender and passed during a wide open dunk. He's six eleven. He can throw down a dunk and he was, he looked scared to do that. So uh, I yeah I agree with you Eric I think Ben Simmons you know I hope that it all comes back for him you know he figures it out in the off season um, it definitely feels like one of those things where he needs to start fresh somewhere else and Philly is not exactly the easiest place to play in the world either <laughs> um, you know as a you know if you want to be a Eagle or a, um, a Philadelphia Phillies player like philly is not an easy place to play other than maybe like new york and boston the media there is pretty brutal and the fans are fucking mean because it's east coast so um (laughs) it's not it's not an easy place to play you know maybe if he plays kind of restarts himself somewhere else a little less uh, under the you know under the lights it could be super beneficial for him um okay let's move on to the eastern conference finals so we have the milwaukee bucks the three seed and the Atlanta Hawks, the five seed. Um, they both get some rest. So they don't game one doesn't start until Wednesday. Um, so let's just, I'm going to throw it out there. What are your guys thoughts on the series? Since we, we don't, we don't have seen them play yet. Um, Milwaukee versus Atlanta thoughts, predictions, go for it. So I, I mentioned this, I was talking to Chayden before the podcast started and he was talking about how they're the fifth seed, the Hawks, are the fifth seed and how like, it's crazy how they gotten this far. And I brought up the point a while ago on this podcast, and I was like, they fired their coach halfway through the season. And from that point forward, they had the best record in the Eastern Conference, and they're continuing to play at that level. With Nate McMillan at the helm, the Atlanta Hawks are a different team. 
and they're showing out right now and you're seeing their gameplay right now. Trey Young is amazing. Clint Capella is shit in the bed right now. Clint Capella is their weak spot on rotation on this basketball team. When he gets the ball, if he's not dunking it, he'll lose it. He's going to turn the ball over. That's one thing that they need to fix for sure. Um, I know that their uh, three Bogdanovich is out right now. It's knee soreness, and I hope that he gets back because he's going to be a huge X factor. If you can get Trey Young and Bogdanovich out there, I think they stand a chance against the Bucks. But the thing is, the Bucks are a pretty complete team all the way through. Um, Brooke Lopez will be able to handle Clint Capella with ease because Clint Capella is trash. Brooke Lopez is going to be out there shooting threes, and Clint Capella cannot defend that. If Giannis can just do Giannis things and attack the basket and make his dunks, they're going to be okay. I really want the Hawks to win, though. They're They've kind of been my Cinderella story ever since they beat the Knicks. I've been all about the Hawks. I really want the Hawks to go to the finals. The Hawks, they kind of have – they actually do got some depth. You know, Gallinari, he's got a lot of experience. Um, he's hit some clutch shots in those important games they won over the Sixers. But, but Trey Young is reminding me of, like, the Eastern Conference version of Devin Booker. He hasn't been this far, but like he's continuing just to show how valuable he is and how good of a player he can be. You know, I think Booker's out more valuable and better than him, but he's he's in that same in those same footsteps right now. And then I yeah, James Capella is all these people coming from Houston. They just are starting to crumble. Uh, Harden, Capella now. Capella is weak for their team. Brooke Lopez is going to be probably the X factor for the Bucks. If he can just be in the paint, getting rebounds, and he can shoot threes, the Bucks have a good, solid team. They're well-composed. Drew Holiday, it's going to be a good battle. I think the Hawks, like, have enough depth to match with the Bucks. so I'm hoping to see at least seven games out of this series. You said uh, the people that are coming from the Rockets are crumbling right now. You forget that P.J. Tucker also is on that same Rockets squad, <laughs> and he's doing well for the Bucks. Well, he's, he's the, the only one doing good. good. Yeah. yeah, I think I think what's crazy about you know the Hawks being you know the five seed coming out of the East. I mean, when's the last time a five seed came out of the Eastern Conference? Like, I think that's the main thing. But yet, but but James, you're right. I mean, since they got their new head coach, um, they've been playing super great, and they've shown that in the playoffs. And they 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 can they can play with 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 anyone. Um, I would love to see this Hawks team make the NBA, NBA Finals. Um, I think the Bucks got lucky last round, you know, losing the Nets with the injuries. Um, they're looking like they're struggling to find their find their rhythm and find their game. Hawks do not seem to seem to be struggling to find it right now. So I think based off that, just the way they've been playing lately, I'm going to go Hawks in seven. I I don't have much more. I mean, I kind of want to echo what Tyler said. I mean, you have a team that's not like I. They haven't really played that well this whole you know playoffs. I mean, yeah, they made it through, but I just I I, I you know I I had the Bucks going on to the to the finals and I'm not very confident about that. They haven't really shown to, they haven't really shown much. I mean, yeah, they're, they're there and you could argue that, but it wasn't easy to get there and it probably, sh- they probably should have made it look a little bit better. I mean, I, I think, I think they're just struggling in areas they shouldn't be struggling. And then you have a, then you have a Hawks team that is just figuring it out. And to James's point, I mean, we've seen this, I've seen this in, in the NHL where a team, where a coach or gets fired and they bring in someone new and they're playing playoff basketball or playoff hockey from that point on. They've been playing this this way for, you know, I don't know when that was a middle was a middle of the season. It was like about or was, was it early? So roughly the middle. 
So the middle of the season, they've been playing, you know, playoff basketball that changes a team dynamic. You know, it just, it, it's a different mindset. It's a different way of just, of just playing and figuring it out and cohesion and, and finding cohesion amongst your group and your team. I, I, I would be worried for the bucks right here. And um, I'm going to say Hawks in five. Okay. So, uh, First off, Tyler, the last time a fifth seed came out of the Eastern Conference, 2020, last year. Oh, <laughs> in a normal year. In a normal five. season, when's the last time we see a five seed come out? In of a normal game? season, I don't know. But you said that, and I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure the Heat were yeah. a five seed. I like double-checked. Oh. But you oh. are right. It is very rare for that low of a seed to come out of the Eastern Conference, especially in the LeBron James era. Oh. Um I think the big – I'm going to pick the Bucs. I mean, I picked the Bucs to win the NBA championship, so I'm sticking with them. I'm going to pick the Bucs to move forward because I think Drew Holiday can be a shutdown defender against Trey Young. He's not – it's kind of like Devin Booker where you're, you can contain. You're not going to completely stop him. But J- Drew Holiday is one of the most underrated defenders in the league, and I think he can do a really good job against Trey Young. Um, obviously, Trey Young – played terribly in game seven and the Hawks still won. So I think this is going to be a more close matchup than maybe initially thought about. Um, and then I'm going to, I know some of you guys, Tyler, are pretty sure you picked 76ers to win. Um, so yeah. we're going to do, and I know you, some of you guys just picked, you know, who's going to win in what games, but we're, I didn't, we didn't plan this, but both, both series, who's going to win and what in how many games. And then, so you, and then pick your NBA finals winner. We're going to do a little redo. Um, so, James, both both uh, conference finals, NBA finals matchup, who's your, your who's your winner? Are you sticking with whatever you said the first uh, time? Yeah, I'm going to stick with this. I'm going to go Clippers in seven. Uh, okay. Hawks in six. Clippers win in five. Okay. Trade in. I have uh, – I'll have Suns in six, Hawks in five. And I'm gonna say Suns in a nice game, game seven. Okay, Eric. I got Clippers in seven, Bucks in seven, Clippers win it all in six. Okay, Tyler. Eric wants his ring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Suns in four. No, uh, Suns. I'm gonna go Suns in six, um, Hawks in seven. And then I'm going to go Suns in seven in the NBA finals. Okay. So we've got two Clippers, two Suns. I'm going to go Clippers in six, and then I'm going to go Bucks in six, and I'm going to go Bucks in six again because that's what I did so many at the beginning. And I'm going to stick with it. I'm not super confident about the Clippers after that game one performance, but I thought that's the last two series. So what do I know? Uh, Traded. That's it. Final That's four, it. you know, we'll see. We'll see where we're at next week, but it's coming down to it. Well, I mean, that's far from it, to be fair, Alex. There's a lot going on. Um, it's going to be exciting. Um, even I'm excited. I might catch a couple games. Can you believe that? I'm going to actually watch <laughs> the game. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it'll be fun. So uh, next week, we're only going to be like three games in if you're looking at the East. So they're really stretching it out. So um, we'll, we'll have plenty to talk about next week. So um, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to end the podcast talking about the NHL. Um, and yeah, stick, stay with it. 
and welcome back to the final segment of week 52. Uh, we're going to be talking about the NHL playoffs. Eric's taking my my uh, my spot today this week as I host. Eric, take it away, buddy. Thank you for passing on the torch. Um, I will try not to let you down. Um, so here we go. We got two series. I'm, I'm speaking right now as if this Islanders uh, lightning game hasn't started yet, but then I'm going to fill you in right now on what the score of that game is. But guess what? We got two series tied 2-2. We have two pivotal game fives, as they say, um, right away. This is what I had earlier uh, before puck drop of the Islanders lightning game five. Um, looking at the series and matchup, I still like the Islanders in seven games, possibly six. Uh, multiple reasons why they lost. The Islanders lost to the lightning in six games last year. So, you know, they had a bad taste in their mouth. They don't want that to happen again. Uh, and their style, the, that style that we always talk about, just grinding you down. Um, it seems to keep working for them throughout these playoffs. Um, and it seems like they just have urgency out there uh, as they're skating around, making things happen. Guess what? All three of those things I just said are completely wrong tonight because uh, the Islanders just lost eight, nothing. Yes. Eight, nothing. Um, they looked horrible. They had no urgency. Um, it looks like they could possibly lose in six games, just like they did last year, which I said they wouldn't. Um, and their style was nowhere to be seen tonight. Um, trade him. What are your, th so basically now we got uh, an elimination game coming uh, within two days and it will be in New York, but trade him. What are your thoughts so far? I can't say I didn't see this coming um, because I saw this coming. Um, <laughs> I was waiting for the moment and I will give the Islanders credit it's not over yet. So, you know, who knows? The, the Islanders have been very resilient. And, and the reason I say they've been resilient is because for the long, for the past four games, I've been seeing glimpses of, of the Tampa Bay lightning, you know, stepping up and saying, okay, now we're going to take control of this game. Okay. Now we're going to take control of this game. And they never did. And the Islanders just, just, just kept brushing them off and keep fighting back. Well, the Islanders took control of the series. <laughs> that's, that's the, they, they could took control. They were like, okay, you know what, little guy, you've had your fun. Now I'm going to play hockey. They did this all season long. I mean, we, 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 I had them bouncing around the power rankings week by week. They weren't playing very good regular season. They'd have, they drop a couple games and then they jump up again because they just like, okay, you guys want us to play a little bit. Okay. We'll play a little bit. They're toying with them. I mean, this is the, this is the, this is the Tampa Bay lightning we're talking about. They are better built they are. They have better goaltending, in my opinion. They have the better goal scoring. They, they're the team that is going to. They've they've taken over the series, and I just don't see them looking back. Yeah, I mean, both teams have very good goaltenders. Uh, Alex, I feel like we always talk about goalies. Um, you know, I guess after tonight, like, what, who would you say uh, you're more confident in in the in the net, and who has been playing better? Um, for their team in this series, who do you think? Like between the two Islanders goalies, uh, or well, I mean them two versus Vasilevsky. Like, who are you more confident in right now, going into this next game? Well, I mean after tonight, like Vasilevsky, obviously, yeah. uh, as, as the other two gave up eight. Um, but <laughs> moving forward, I think you still have to stick with Varlamov. Um, you know, he looked terrible 
at the beginning of this game, but has played well earlier in the series. Um, you know, I think he got pulled after the first three goals. And then obviously Sorokin gave up five. So we're big numbers guys here. Basic <laughs> math. I'm going to go for a <laughs> Um But yeah, I, I agree with trade-in. The Islanders, I don't know if they can beat the Lightning twice, but if there's any team that could shock them, it's also the Islanders because they're the, I don't know. Like it's one of the things where I don't really have an explanation for it, but they're the Islanders and they just seem to keep winning hockey games. So it yeah. would not surprise me, you know? Yeah. And um, Tyler was talking in the basketball segment about, you know, coaching strategies. Like I feel like Barry Trotz agreeing with exactly what you just said, Alex, like Barry Trotz will be the coach to find out some strategy to just scrounge out two wins on this extremely powerful lightning team. Uh, Tyler, who do you think has a better chance of winning the cup? Whoever, like if the Islanders win this series, do they have a better chance of winning the cup, whoever they would match up with, or do the lightning have a better chance? Uh, I mean, I think the lightning do, but I mean, I think that um, if if the Islanders come back and win this series after, you know, a pretty pitiful game five, I mean, you got to just – we keep – I think the, the league as a whole, and especially us in the podcast, I feel like we just don't want the Islanders to win and I just, because I don't think we really believe they can, yet they continually do. And so – and that's a huge credit to their coaching staff and to the, and to the system they have in place. So, I mean, if, if they come back from this after what we've seen, you know, you got to believe that there's something in the air there in, in, in New York um, that's going to just allow them to keep winning. And this might be their season, but um, I kind of agree with what Traden was saying. It's just, even though the first four games of the series were, they were very close games. It just felt like Tampa Bay was the better team. And it just felt like they just kind of had control of most of, of, of the ice most of the time. Um, and tonight, I, I, I you know, kind of going in this game, I just, I just thought Tampa was going to win this series. Like even, even through those first four games when they're back and forth and very close, I just felt like Tampa was the superior team. Um, and I still think that's what's going to happen. So um, I think Tampa right now of the final four has the best shot at winning the cup. I think, I think they, they'll they have a really good shot of uh, repeating. Yeah. They, uh, I like what you said. It wasn't a pivotal game five. It was a pitiful game five for the Islanders. Yeah. Uh, James, what are your last thoughts after watching this game today? Um, what's your hope looking like for either team moving forward in this series? What is your final take on this series? Well, pretty much everybody else said they think the Lightning are going to win. So I'm going to take the other side of it. Let's say the Islanders are going to win this one. And it's like it's like a movie, right? This series is like a movie. How typically in a movie, the protagonist is kind of going back and forth, whatever they're fighting, and then all of a sudden they get beaten down. And they get beaten down hard. And they're like, it's like a phoenix rising from the ashes because 8-0 is death. Like 8-0 is a bad showing. The Knights lost seven to one, and I think that was that was about eight zeros worse, obviously because big math guys. Um, but coming up from the ashes is to, they've learned they're the kind of style that they play is that they kind of don't give up. They're gonna continue getting beaten down because that's what they do. They beat people up slowly but surely, and they got beat down today. And they're gonna continue playing that same exact style, and the Lightning are gonna come in there thinking that they're defeated and they're broken. But nah, they're just gonna continue doing their thing, and the Lightning aren't aren't gonna be ready for that. Um, so I think that landing might or might overestimate or under- underestimate how good this Islanders team is <laughs> on bouncing back. Uh, Matt Barzov showed some emotion today, got kicked out the game. 
I think that's going to fire his team up. Uh, it's just their one superstar. The, the one person that you know on this team is him. And he got kicked out of the game because he was that frustrated. I think that's going to fire his team up, set a precedent for the next couple of games going forward. Um, let it be known, though, I do think Lightning are going to win it. But I just wanted to be a different <laughs> side. <laughs> really quick, um, that said, did anybody see game four's amazing save by uh, not a goaltender? That was unreal. Yeah. Who was it by? Ryan Blaine 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 Oh, wow. yeah. I think I saw the highlight earlier. Wow. Yeah, that crazy. was unbelievable. And I have to give props to the Islanders. They they stayed out with their fans and they all together watched the, the watched the replays in the in the Coliseum. Um, it's, those are special moments, guys. But that said, yeah, I don't think guys, they're... guys. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, basically, after all of our takes, I just I'm still going to stick with the guns. I got Islanders winning this in seven. They have the goaltending that can pull it off. Um, they seem like they got a fire lit under them tonight. I feel like Tampa, like they win games like this and then they get kind of relaxed, like a little bit of avalanche um, looking maneuvers. So I'm going Islanders in seven somehow, some way. What do you guys got for this series final? Landing. James. Uh Trading. Yeah, it's got? over next game. Alex. Yeah, I'm with trading. Tampa and six. Tyler. I want to go Tampa and seven, just to be different. Wow. No one here is, believes in the Islanders. Huh? Okay. It's all good. Um, I mean, you know, I don't really care about the Islanders that much, but I just want to just want to cause some well, havoc. They're, they're the closest to your Kings. Yeah. Yeah. We always got to bring them up, you know. Um, all right, moving to this, the other series we have, guess what? Another 2-2 tied series going into the pivotal game five. Let's hope it's not a pitiful one, Tyler. Um, two different overtime games. Uh, both teams have won one of these each. And the Canadians continue to catch everyone by surprise. Um, Traden's probably ripping his ears out. Um, but, you know, most hockey fans – are surprised they're even sticking around in this series. They were leading the series before yesterday. And you look at their lineup, though. Now, looking at their lineup, it doesn't actually surprise me as much. Corey Perry, this guy's always been deep in the playoffs. He's won a cup. He's in his second Western Conference Finals for the second year in a row. Um, Carey Price, trade and may not agree. One of the top goaltenders in the league has been somewhat deep in the playoffs, continuing to keep them alive. To Foley, got to bring him up because he was an ex-Kings player, but always with the clutch, timely goals. Um, and I'm, I'm looking. I was looking at stats earlier. Uh, the Canadians have the top penalty kill in the playoffs right now. Um, so did the Kings when they won both their cups. So did the Blackhawks when they won all three of their cups. So it must be an important stat. Um, and three out of the four games so far in the series are only one goal games besides that first game. So every game has been actually pretty close. Um, Vegas seems to be in that mode again where it's kind of hard for them to find scoring. Um, but at the same time, Vegas looks like Vegas, lots of puck possession, um, burying guys on the ice and stirring the pot. Um, but uh, Alex, let's start with you. What are the thoughts so far on this series? Uh, my thoughts are the officiating has been garbage. Just Ooh, I love to have this great garbage. <laughs> I mean, 
granted, being a NF or an NFL NHL hockey ref has got to be probably other than maybe like a home a home uh, home plate umpire one of the hardest jobs to do i mean they're so fast there's all these crazy fucking penalties but i mean cory perry obviously is bleeding out of his face they don't call anything um <laughs> brayden mcnab punched um whomever suzuki. i can't remember who it was suzuki oh yeah that's right punched suzuki and the ref was looking right at him didn't call it you know how we talked about conspiracies a couple of weeks ago full-on conspiracy here we go the nhl wants vegas to win because they want to show um, potential investors that you can buy in to a franchise early on and they can succeed right away. Trade in my man, <laughs> full fucking conspiracy. Oh, it's on. That might be true. Um, it's, it's 100% true. Um, <laughs> anyway, I agree with you. I think Vegas is in a little bit of trouble because they're running into the problems they had last year where they can't score. Um, they were talking about it a lot on the broadcast last night that, the Mark Stone, Max, Max Pacioretty line has not really showed up for Vegas, which is um, tough to win when they're your two best probably scorers. Um, the Canadians, I still think, have a really good shot. Um, I'm still going to pick Vegas to win because um, I said it last week. If I pick Vegas to win, maybe they'll lose because I'm wrong a lot and I want Vegas in my heart to lose. So, um, But Alec Martinez has been far fucking amazing he's been the best defenseman on the vegas gold knights two-time stanley cup champion with los angeles yeah done. shouts out <laughs> to uh, alec martinez i believe he has the most blocked shots in the playoffs right now too uh not a big deal and um going off of your saint vegas i think they only have uh like seven out of their however many fucking goals they scored maybe what seven out of ten let's say have been by defensemen so their defensemen are the ones keeping them afloat. And so that just goes to show you that other line needs to step up. James, Carey Price versus Mark andre Fleury slash, I guess now you could say Leonard. Who, who do you like more? Oh, dude, you haven't been around the last couple of podcasts, but. I figured I was going to know your answer, though. Yeah, it's, it's going to be Carey Price. Um, I think last series I said that the Knights – against Avalanche, the next against Avalanche, I said that uh, Fleury was going to make a mistake and it's going to cost him a game. I was wrong by a series because he did so against the Canadians. And because of that, they pulled him in a letter instead, which was insane to me. Because so I was like, you got to stick by your guns, man. You got to give uh, Fleury some confidence back. So you put Leonard in there, and Leonard did amazing for the first time this postseason. It's going to be kind of a question who's going to start next. Do they go back to Flurry, or are they going to stick with a hot hand with Leonard? Because Leonard did really well. Led in two, one goal, led in one goal. And I mean, that was, it was pretty ridiculous how good he did that game. His um, he's his save percentage is nine sixty four for that one game. But Carey Price, dude, guy's been facing way more shots than the other two goaltenders combined. I think it was game two where he faced. 40 shots and saved all but two of them the guys a brick wall and he's going to continue doing that he's gonna the more he plays the better he gets so carry your price i'm sticking with him all the way yep i would i would agree with you uh 102 percent right there but, but um trading i mean does does that mess with mark andre Fleury's confidence slightly one because he completely trashed a game for him um two now like if they 
go back to him. Now you're just putting confusion in the uh, in Leonard's head too. You, we saw it with the Sharks back when the Kings reverse swept them. Not a big deal. You know, they had Niemi and they had um, whoever the fuck their other backup was, Dell maybe. But they kept switching them around and it fucked with the confidence of the goalies. And you saw it just trickle down. Um, w- w- are you worried at all with the Vegas goaltending in that scenario? Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> they're going to go third tomorrow and that's the way that Pete DeBoer rolls and Pete DeBoer does not give two fucking shits how good you're playing or how bad you're playing he doesn't give a shit he, he'll change it up and it worked it worked and in my opinion I take back what I said last series where I thought that that coaching but, but putting in Leonard in the first game was the worst thing he could have done it probably was the best thing he could have done because <laughs> they, they were guaranteed to lose that game now that I think about it and that would have hurt Mark. That would have hurt Mark Andre Fleury. He comes back, they win the series. Guys, Pete DeBoer is an amazing coach. He really is. He's very smart. He knows he knows what he what he's doing, and it's probably going to work for them in the in the end. That being said, I don't like the Vegas Golden Knights right now. They are not playing very well at all. Um, I they just they don't look. They they, play, they actually, I'll say this. The team that won each of these four games shouldn't have won, right? So the two games that the, that Montreal won, they probably shouldn't have won that game. The two games that Vegas won, probably should have won that game. It, it's it's kind of that weird. It's that's what I love about this game is that it's it's so it's so random. Um, can, yeah, we will we can talk about the officiating. Yeah, there's a lot that they're letting go. They're letting everything go, dude. That was a. William- William Perrier gets his head taken off from behind, and then Shea Shea Weber gets his head taken off. They let everything go, and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with them letting everything go because the game is not meant to be played shorthanded, okay? It's not. And and, and if they're not going to call anything, then don't fucking call anything. At least they're consistent. And they just let them go. Now the worry is, the worry is, is that is that it gets a little out of hand and you get into you get into injury mode. But I, there's nothing that really sparked much in terms of like a major event where someone got hurt that that spurred that. Um, but the, the refs are just pocketing the whistles and they're letting it play five on five. They're really letting it go. And you know, it it is surprise. It was shocking. It was it was shell shock. But you know, at least we're not getting a stupid penalty that's causing bullshit. You know, that's, that's my, that's my take. Yeah. Real fast before I move on from that. Yeah. I got something else. Yeah. Okay. So I understand letting maybe like a two minute go, but blood, that's a double minor or a major. That's overtime too. That that one. So like, that was a five minute and overtime. That one was a clearly missed one. Did you say five minute? That's what they said. Four minutes. Yeah. Okay. I want to go off on the fucking announcer. He said that should have been a fucking five minute major. Are you fucking high? <laughs> what a fucking like what like NBC? I'm so fucking glad you're gone because you guys are fucking retarded. I hate using that damn word, but oh my god, NBC is the worst at at showcasing this. That all I just had to say that. Now that said, it should have been a four minute four minute double minor for sure, hundred percent. Alex, what do you got? Uh. Uh, to go back on trade and not liking the Vegas Golden Knights, um, they're so unlikable. People are rooting for Corey Perry. Think about that for well, a second. Well, I, I said Corey I like, Perry. I like them as the biggest rat. Okay, well, but like in the, the NHL, <laughs> like fandom, like Corey Perry is known 
for, yeah, you're right, Eric, being one of the biggest rats in the league, and people are rooting for him over Vegas. I generally actually think that's a good thing. Um, hockey needs – everyone, every team, every sport needs a villainous team. For the NFL, it's whatever team Tom Brady's on. For the NBA, it's whatever team LeBron James is on. For baseball, it's whoever's playing the Dodgers. <laughs> Alex, you're, uh, you're so right about that, man. <laughs> uh, but anyway, my, my thing with the officiating is I'm, I agree with you, Traded. I'm totally fine with letting things go um, if it's a little thing. But the, the boarding hit um, that I, I can't remember who it was. It was William Carrier. Yeah, that needs to be called against the Canadians. Absolutely. The call, then, the, the punch with, <laughs> yeah, like call the plays where people are like, those are dangerous plays. People are getting hurt. Those need to be called. If you want to, you know, miss an interference call that was like a little iffy, let you want to let that go, feel free. But if, can't believe I'm saying this, but if Corey Perry's bleeding and getting eight stitches in his face, no, I'm with you. Probably needs to have a call, you know, but. Yeah, I'm with you. I will say this, guys, really quick. The, the, the spectacle of him running out of the locker room after they won is iconic. If they win, yeah, if yeah. They win the Stanley Cup, that, that, that's, that's the pivotal moment right there. T-shirts everywhere. Um, Tyler, yeah. what do you got? Any, any last takes um, on this series? Yeah, so my ego wants – to stick with the Golden Knights because that's who I picked to win the series and that's who I went picked to win the Stanley Cup. My heart, though, is definitely with the Canadians in this series because they have just played the kind of hockey that you want to root for. You know, kind of trying to take down, a, as Alex mentioned, kind of a villainous team, a team no one likes. The Canadians were not expected to make it this far, not even close. And they are outplaying the Vegas Golden Knights I would say in games two through three for the most part, uh, maybe game th- or th- through four, sorry. Um, maybe game three, they were outshot, but at the end there, they came back and fought and, you know, got a scrappy goal there, there at the end and, and won an OT, you know? So it's tough for me because I, like I said, I, I want Vegas to win for my ego and for my pride. Um, but man, I would, I would love to see the Canadians upset them here. So um it's this is this is definitely the, for me the more intriguing series for sure. Um, so I think it's so hard. I'm I'm torn because of just my my ego and my heart are just battling each other right now. So I guess it's a win-win for me. But I'm just looking forward to hopefully another great three games. Yeah, I'm hoping for seven. Um, my brain says Vegas, my gut says Canadians in seven. So the gut is way smarter than the brain, as we all know. Um, so I got Canadians winning this in seven, uh, Islanders winning in seven, and then Canadians winning the cup in seven. Uh, Alex, what do you got? Okay, so I picked Tampa. I picked Tampa in six. Um, I have my head and my gut, same, same feeling. Um, but I have to go with my superstition. So I'm going to pick Vegas at seven because I'll be wrong. And then the Canadians will win. Um, but I, this Tampa team just looks unbeatable. So I'm going to go Tampa in six in the finals against whoever they play. James, what do you got? Canadians in seven, 
Tampa in six, like I said, Canadians in five. Nice. Um, trade in. Uh, Tampa in six, as I said, Montreal in seven. And uh, uh, I think that Tampa Bay will win in like six. So we got two Tampas, two Canadians. Tyler can be the tiebreaker. Unless he picks the Islanders. Tyler, who you got? <laughs> well, I'm going to stick, obviously, with the Lightning in seven. Uh, and I'm gonna, I'm still going to stick with Vegas just because I picked them to win. And so I'm going to keep doing that until it doesn't happen. Uh, so I'll go Vegas in seven in the other series as well. And I'll pick Vegas in seven in the final. Um, I, still, I still do want to see that Vegas-Tampa Bay final. But, I mean, Montreal is, I guess, as I mentioned, you just got to root for them. So we'll see. Great hockey, boys. Yeah. Also, one more thing. Ahead. One more thing before we end. Uh, is Carey Price probably the person in the NHL right now you want to see win the cup most? You know, yes. after now, Ovi's won. I feel like Carey Price is that guy. Yeah. You want I to think see that's the 100% cup. Okay. fact right there. Cool. Not a conspiracy, 100% of no, facts no, no. right there. And guys, the <laughs> okay, last time a Canadian team was in the finals. This team won in 1993, and that was Montreal Canadiens. Just saying. And that's one wild. last thing also. I'm sorry. No, I'm not, I lied. I lied. The last, the, I'm sorry. I lied. The last team that won the Stanley Cup was in 1993. The last team that was in the, the finals was the Oilers. The Edmonton Oilers in 2006. Um, <laughs> and wait, one other thing now. The, uh, are the Canadians like the Lakers of hockey? Do they have the most? Yes. Uh, maybe I should change, but no, I'm just kidding. Fuck it. I'll roll with the Canadians. I guess we can give him another trophy, but yeah, I think it would be great for Carey Price to, to yield Lord Stanley over his head. He deserves it probably the most right now of anyone in the playoffs. So Stamkos had his fucking opportunity last year. He got it. No more for him. It's Carey Price's <laughs> turn. That's how I got traded. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited guys. I, I, this this series is actually shocking, and actually, I'm actually rooting, I've I've all of a sudden started rooting for the, uh, the 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 Montreal Canadiens, and that says a lot from a Edmonton Oilers fan. So um, go go Habs, I guess. Um, guys, uh, this is this is very fun time in sports right now. Um, it's my favorite time. I will say this: we are a few days away from only getting hockey every other day. Bullshit! I hate that. <laughs> I hate that part. But uh, we are getting there. Um, so that'll be, that'll be sad, but it's the final. So it's worth it. Um, so yeah, um, I really, we really appreciate you guys sticking with us for 52 weeks. Hopefully there's going to be another 52 more next year. We'll be, uh, saying there's 104. We'll actually, we're going to enter season two next, next week. We'll, we won't call up season or um, episode 53. We'll call it season two, episode one. No, we won't. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. So watch, watch the NBA, watch the MLB watch the nhl and i'm i'm pretty sure there's lots of going on in the nfl kind of uh james i, I think you missed i think you missed the we miss i miss talking about the nfl um so hopefully there's more there'll be something to talk about um there um but if there's some topics you guys want us to talk about shoot us shoot us at our ways we'll do the research and, and discuss it um we're, we're we're entering the dog days of summer soon so we will need some topics to to discuss um but westworld what? Oh my uh, god, not again. Not yeah, again. God. That's Absolutely. a throwback. <laughs> Best moment of season one, Eric's Westworld. Uh, no, that was the worst, worst episode, probably. Oh, worst man. take. No. Um, 
no uh we we really thank you guys and you know check us out on on twitter um instagram all that stuff and we'll see you next week thank you guys